Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Newsday, this will be the first time in the history of the New York Giants. They're in their 95th year of football that they're going to go the entire month of October and November in the same season without a win. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 93 of Bleeding Blue and Bob Papa Says It All. This is the first time in the history of the New York football giants that they do not have a win in the months of October and November. This past Sunday, the Giants lost to the Bears of Chicago by a score of 19-14, to and the fan base and the franchise could not be more lost and without answers. So, without further ado... Let's bleed blue. David, 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 double underscore Powis. Today is Tuesday, two days until Thanksgiving. How are you? Awful. You're you're a fan of Thanksgiving. I love that. It's actually my favorite holiday. Yeah, yeah, because we're not we're both not fans of Halloween. So I think Thanksgiving because we like food and we like to sit down and do nothing and we don't like to go outdoors. Thanksgiving is a good day for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it also it's a good day for football. So in theory, it should be a day we enjoy also for that reason. But but more so than anything, it's it's the food. What games do we have? Uh, we got Bears, Lions, and Cowboys and somebody. Cowboys and well, there's a third game too. There's a game at night. Um, oh, that that's right. They Cowboys, started doing that. Uh, I just saw it too. I'll get it for you in a second. All right, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start with the housekeeping stuff. Um, so I haven't done this in a while, have not done this in a while, at least in the beginning of an episode, but uh, David and I and Bleeding Blue as a podcast, we are very, very close to 100 ratings on the Apple Podcast app. We are actually currently at 98. So please, 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 please. I said that I wanted to get to 100 before the new year, but I really think that we could even do it just after this episode because I really think this episode is going to be good and I think a lot of you are going to enjoy it. So please, even if you have left a rating before and it has been a while since you have left your rating, you can update your rating. You can write a different review or you can even just press write a review and then submit the same one, but it just keeps it updated. But take your mom's phone, take your sister's phone, take your brother's phone, Take any any Apple phone and subscribe and rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. That would be the biggest help. We don't ask you to do anything else besides maybe follow us on Twitter and subscribe and rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. I would love to get to 100. Um, so thank you to everybody who listens. Also, um, we started a new blog on our website. It's called Bleed the Bookie with our buddy Mike McKittrick. And these last two weeks, David, Mike McKittrick 
is seven and zero on his bets. He's on fire. He's on fire. And I sir, I sure as hell could have used him. I've had a rough two weeks. I don't know what David's doing. Not not hashtag uh, betting with Mike or betting with Mike. But uh, you better check out the Bleeding Blue blog and our website. If you search Bleeding Blue Web Node, if you Google that, you will be able to find our website. And also, if you follow us on all of our social medias, we always post whenever we have new blogs, especially on Twitter. So there we go, David. That's the housekeeping. That's it. What's the other Thanksgiving games? Uh, the other Thanksgiving games are Bills Cowboys. And Saints Falcons. Bills Cowboys. That's a, that's a good one. That's a fun one. That's yeah. That's that's yeah. a very good one. Saints Saints Falcons not so much. The Falcons have looked a little bit better recently. Not not this past Sunday, but the previous yeah. two weeks. All right. So David, to basically start this episode, I want to have a macro conversation on how we are feeling, and I have, I have a I have a little bit of a rant. Uh, this this weekend kind of broke me. I, I've been very patient. And I'm going to get to why I've been patient. I'm going to get to still why I kind of am patient. But this weekend frustrated me beyond belief. After showing tangible signs of moving forward, at least offensively against the Jets. Now, f- full disclosure, David and I are probably going to solely be talking about the offense this this episode. Because let's face it, I really don't think James Betcher is going to be back next year. And I really don't think a lot of these guys that are on this defense right now, actually the problem pieces on this defense, they're not going to be back next year. So really, we've talked about this defense at nauseating lengths on this podcast, David. And we kind of have been ignoring the offense in a way, ignoring the offense, ignoring Daniel Jones in a way. So this episode... Well, well I haven't well, been. I, I, feel, I, I just feel like as a collective podcast, we've been talking a lot more about the defense. And I really... It's. I feel like it. That's not what this episode is going to be. Just full disclosure. So a- after what I felt was taking some steps forward against the Jets two weeks ago off on the offensive side of the ball, for me five steps were taken backwards on the offensive side of the ball this week against Chicago. And of course, our Sunday morning had to start off with that Jason Garrett rumor that surfaced. And as a Giants fan, you know what? I feel like we have to believe it. Because the Giants have a leaker, and they have a leaking problem in their organization. The Saquon pick was leaked. Daniel Jones' pick was leaked. Josina Anderson said before anybody else, the Giants would not even offer a contract to Landon Collins. And of course, Jay Glazer leaked that the Odo Beckham Jr. trade was going to happen. And what did we do, David? What did we do in reaction to all of those things? All those rumors? (laughs) They came true. We executed them. Well, not just that. But they came true. But what did we do to all of those rumors before they actually happened? You mean as a fan base? As a fan base. As a fan base, yes. We 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 called them stupid. We fucking laughed at them. Yeah. yeah. We said no way to all those reports. But they, you know what? Lo and behold, they were all correct. And they all seemed outlandish. They all seemed like BS. But this organization, David, it never disappoints. There have been some like the Jones pick that we are glad that they worked out. And, they're, and we're glad that they happened. And others, only time will tell whether they, whether or not they'll work out. You know, so there was that report about Jason Garrett. And then even today, there was a report about Matt Rule possibly being a guy the Giants would be interested in if the Giants were to part ways with Pat Shermer. And that was per Albert, Albert Breer. Now, David, I would rather not get into the skepticism of a new head coach. But my overall point here is the Giants this year. This year, they had an opportunity to prove to their fan base 
that they were at least going in the right direction. At least. They didn't need to go out and make the playoffs. They didn't even need to go out and compete for a playoff run. But they needed to go out and to prove to the fan base that they were at least headed in the right direction. Now, this is where I get to my patience point. I'm a little bit more patient than most. And frankly, I have been more patient than most. But this week, like I said, I've, I've snapped. I have not been this frustrated with the team since March. And for comparisons for this show, that, sh- that episode number was number episode 42. We're on 93 right now. From that point on, I didn't like being negative. I wanted to see the positives, and I wanted to see the good signs. But you want to know what? Maybe I should have listened to my gut, and this franchise right now is an embarrassment. And you want to know why I'm still rooting for Pat Shermer and Dave Guttelman, even though this is the most frustrated that I have been with the franchise since they drafted, basically, since they drafted Saquon, and this is what links together those rumors? It's because I do not trust the people who will basically fire Pat Shermer and or Dave Gettleman to make the right decisions to hire the right people. I do not trust a man who has invested in Eli Manning for so long because he folded under fan pressure in 2017. I do not trust a man who every time he steps in front of a microphone, I want him to go away and let the football people make decisions. And spoiler alert, I'm talking about John Mara. David, I don't trust the people to make the correct decisions that even if they were to fire Shermer, were to fire Gettleman, to put the correct people and make the correct decisions that fully reflect what we want and where this franchise should actually go. And I'm done for now. Well, I mean, essentially, your point is that the, the New York Giants have become the New York Knicks. And and to any New Yorkers or basketball fans, you totally understand what I'm, what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. And... It's the exact same situation. The people up top are, are, are the people who make the end-of-the-day decision on essentially everything. As we know John Merritt does, Justin, you and I have discussed that at length. In a, in a situation like this, with a guy at the top who you don't trust, it's hard to get excited or behind any one move or any one rumor. Because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, if you've lost trust in what John Merritt is going to do, I'm not, I'm not going to get my hopes up about anything. The Jason Garrett rumor is no doubt real. I wholeheartedly believe that. I've heard additional rumors to that. And to your initial point, Justin, rumors with the Giants right now need to be treated seriously, no matter what the rumor is, because they do have someone leaking stuff, and and it's consistent. And a lot of what they leak is true. I I really do believe the Jason Garrett rumor is true. There's, There's been rumors out there talking about how uh, when the Giants were looking to fire Tom, Tom Coughlin, Coughlin they, were looking, they were looking to Jason Garrett. And I think the only reason that the, the, this rumor is saying the only reason that Tom Coughlin wasn't fired was because Jason Garrett got an extension. So uh, that gives you an idea of how of how much, in theory, according to the rumor, John Mara and co. like Jason Garrett as a, as a head coach. Uh, but we, we could spend a long time talking about that. I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk about it but my whole point is is that you know these rumors come out and I guess you know if you want to analyze Matt Rule and you want to get into that you know while we're we just are starting to enter to the month of December god love you and power to you if you really want to do it cuz I, I don't know about you David I'm still invested in this year I'm still invested in this football team and I'm still invested in watching Giants football and the reason why I think I'm rooting for Everything to not necessarily turn around, but I'm rooting for tangible hope is because I do not trust not one fucking bit 
either Gettleman or Mara making the correct decision on who to bring in. I don't. I think I think the lack of trust and the criticism that Dave Gettleman continues to get is completely unfounded. I think that is that it's a real, you know, we we we've got some voicemails later on Justin and and you and I happen to listen to one. And there's a theme and this is a theme that that I've been noticing within that specific voicemail, you'll hear it later. And on Twitter as a whole and, and talking heads as a whole, I actually don't think this team is in a quote unquote clean house mentality because if you clean house, that means Dave Gettleman goes also. And in that, that's what a true house cleaning means, which David, I don't even know if I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I want right now as a giants fan. I don't know what I want. I know this for a fact that if they are going to let Shermer go, Dave Gettleman is not coming with him. That's not what this franchise does. And frankly, John Mara is very much going to side with, I think, what fans want. And what fans want, I think they would be very happy and he would be stopped getting consistent and constant letters if Shermer was gone, not necessarily if, if, if Gettleman's gone. Okay, l- let, me, let me go on my quick rant. Okay, Justin, you had your rant. Let me go, <laughs> let me go on my rant. So Yes, you had, I had my time. Anybody who's been listening to this, Justin, I think I started coming on these episodes, what, maybe around episode 30? Something like that. So I've now been on most of them since. Yeah. So anybody who listens knows me. I try to stay as reasonable as possible, as level-headed as possible. But at the end of the day, I probably do end up falling on the more optimistic side. No matter how reckless that that makes my take sometimes. I have a burning love for this team and I am sometimes erratically optimistic. That being said, I'm done. This year's New York football giants have completely broken my spirit regarding this team. I don't care. I'm going to sit there and watch. I'm going to be nervous during the game because I want them to win. But this, to your point, Justin, I don't trust any of it. I believe in Daniel Jones. I believe in Saquon Barkley. And that's at the moment about it. Because... What I continue to see is a team that, in terms of the players, the talent they have on the, on the roster, the the top end to, to, to second-tier talent on this roster is actually pretty solid in my eyes, in my opinion. There's an enormous drop-off when you, when you get past the, the, the Sterling Shepherds, when you get past the Jabril Peppers, when you get past um, Kevin Zeitler to go to the, the offensive above- line. Above average, not superstars, not superstars, but above average players. And they have a decent amount of them. And and, and like you said, we're going to focus on the offense uh, for the most part this episode. So let's do that. Let's focus on the offense. Let's take a look. Dave Gettleman being knocked. And again, this is coming from a fan who is now saying, I trust very little and I'm my my optimism is shattered. I, I am. I have never been more negative about this team than I am right now. If you look at the offense that Dave Gettleman has put together, and this is an offense that Dave Gettleman has put together, there's only one player. Uh, yeah, there's only one player who is starting that was not brought in by Dave Gettleman. It's Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. I'm sorry. And Evan. And Evan yeah, but where the fuck is he? Yeah, yeah. Sterling Shepard is the only starter who. Okay, let me put it this way. The only starter on Sunday was Sterling Shepard. He was the only one that Gettleman did not bring in. 
Daniel Jones, by all accounts, if you're somewhat level-headed, you understand that you probably have your franchise guy, and you're probably pretty excited about that. Done. End of story. Saquon Barkley, say what you will about his last couple of weeks. He's generational. He will get it figured out. The offensive line's been a pitiful, and, and he doesn't look right. Done. There are also other reasons, David, to say that he yeah, has, yeah, 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 besides, yes, yes. besides the, his health, and I think this was one of the first games where I started to see it, where there was some plays where I'm like, okay, why isn't Saquon Barkley breaking this tackle? This has nothing to do with this ankle. It has to do with the fact that when Saquon Barkley is man-on-man, one-on-one with against somebody, when he's the ball carrier, and the fact that he's not holding the ball in the opposite hand where a defender is so he can give a stiff arm or he can try to do something to break out of a tackle. You know, it has, it has something to do with, you know, him fucking dropping a ball in an, in an important part of the game. It has something to do with him not being able to pass block. And now I understand that's the ankle, but it, there's more to it rather than just the ankle. I think Giants fans are buying way too much into that the Giants are in a doomsday scenario and this is the and the end of the world has arrived. Because I think what people are not understanding is that athletes are still human. And 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 Justin, you made this point going weeks back, saying you can't rush these guys back. They're real injuries. So I'm not even so much talking about pain. And you see this in the NBA a lot. I don't care who you are, that injury, you watch the injury on replay, that hurt. It hurt a lot. It was uncomfortable. The rehab was uncomfortable. Coming back too early was uncomfortable. He is playing. It's uncomfortable. You can see it. Yeah. There's also something to be said for the fact that, and I think the play, um, and, and you tweeted about it, um, where he did a beautiful spin move off the line of scrimmage and was one-on-one with the corner, and you said the, the 2018 Saquon would not have been tackled by this quarterback. And that's the exact play that I'm talking about, him not changing changing the ball in his hands. And to me, I'm not in the guy's head. I don't talk to the guy. I'm, I'm speaking purely on my own experience, Justin, and you know I have a lengthy, lengthy ankle injury problem. I have done tons of things yeah, to my do. ankle. I dislocated my ankle playing basketball. I sprained it three other times. I have a, it, it, I've done a lot to it. It affects, it affects you very much uh, when you're bowling, too. Yes, it does. And I know how it feels to really not be sure if I make this cut, is it going? If I, if I plant too hard, I walk downstairs and I get nervous because I'm, I'm afraid that my ankle is, my foot's a little sideways and I'm going to roll again. Now, I'm not saying that's what you're dealing with, but I think there's a possibility. Sa- Saquon is so good because he accelerates at such a level that he, 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 he gets to a hole and he's gone. It looks to me like, and I think this is what he was saying in that interview this past week where he was talking about just going out and having fun and not listening and not so much thinking about it. Just go out, be who I am. I'm the best running back in the league. I'm going to go play. To me, it looks like a running back who is rusty, who's not seeing things great, but also I think he knows he can't be as explosive as he wants to be because if he tries to be, that's a re-injury. It's not pain. It's, it's just a knowledge of your body. David, get back into your much larger point that you had. I really don't want to be talking much longer about Saquon's injury or lack thereof. The point is, if you look at the receivers, I think Sterling Shepard is a good piece going forward. He he is a, a very good wide receiver. Golden Tate, I think, has played about as well as you could have hoped he was going to play this year. I think he's proven to be very, very steady for Daniel Jones. I think he's proven to be a playmaker, which is what he was brought here to do. Who brought him here? Dave Gettleman brought him here. Just, you know, pointing that out. After that, 
the team is lacking talent, except for Darius Slayton, who was an excellent, probably based on value, the best pick of this draft for Dave Gettleman. Based on where where they took him, what he was supposed to do, what he's supposed to bring to the team, what he's turned into. He's been the most consistent receiver all year. Yeah, well, and I think part of that is because he's, he stayed healthy, which is ironic considering he was the guy who was unhealthy to start the year. So, and, and the offensive line, it's Nate Solder. He is the problem. Nate Solder is the problem. He was the problem last year. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing the offensive line stinks. Look, think about it. Watch. Okay, yeah, there's there's one play that's going crazy on Twitter right now where uh, Kevin Zeitler got knocked on his ass by Khalil Mack, and, and Khalil Mack basically runs through the entire right side of the offensive line. But, I mean, that's Khalil Mack. I mean, Khalil Mack makes plays like that every single week. And these things are going to happen. The best offensive line give up pressure now and again. I, I, you know, I, I can deal with it. Nate Solder gets, con- gets so consistently beat. So badly. That is your issue. So, to just real, my Dave Gettleman point. Look at where this team is from a talent point of view. Look at where this team is from a young, young talent point of view. Look at their secondary right now. I know everyone wants to hate on their secondary. They've got three guys who are 23, 23 years old or younger, who, who have all played at times well this season. Julian Love had, had a pretty nice game. Uh, in his in his first real in his first real game looked real good. Corey Ballantyne had a tough game, by far the worst game of his rookie season. But he's not a slot corner. <laughs> he yeah he has he has shown he has shown good things throughout the year. DeAndre Baker, don't get me started, please. DeAndre Baker had a great game. He did, but no, we're not going to talk about that, Justin. Please, he was only targeted like twice. We haven't we have a narrative to fit, Justin. Come on. My point is. Dave Gettleman has put this team in a good place. Rebuilds take a long time. John Mara is the one who said, win while rebuilding. It's not the it's not Dave Gettleman. And let me ask you this. How I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily just solely John Mara, but how stupid, how stupid and inept do you look as a franchise when you say those things and then you produce what you are producing? When, when, like, David, you just deconstructed the offense. You almost just deconstructed that entire roster. This week, right now, I could care fucking less about those optics right now. But, oh, yeah, the Giants' ages in the ages in the fucking secondary and the fact that Nate Solder is pretty much the, the reason why this offensive line is holding holding the that entire group back. I could care two shits about that this week and right now. How stupid and inept do you look as a franchise that you frame your season as we can win while rebuilding, and we can win with fucking 37-year-old quarterbacks, and you can win when you take Saquon Barkley with the, in the second pick of the 2018 draft when you clearly needed a quarterback. You can wow. win while doing all those things, and you still fucking lose. Yeah. You look stupid in a nap, David. Because they are. I'm sorry. I apologize. It is quite all right, Justin. It's an emotional time for us. It is quite all right. Dave Gettleman is putting this team in a good spot moving forward. I still believe the trajectory of this team is positive. David, let me ask you this. Let me ask you one more thing about Dave Gettleman, and then we will move on to Sunday's game because it's going to be a lot of Pat Shermer talk as well. Dave Gettleman has only had one free agent signing that has hit and that has worked so far. That is Marcus Golden. In his two years, in his two off seasons as Giants general manager, would you agree with that? Yes. Nate Solder kind of did work last year. He had more good moments last year than bad moments, even though the bad moments stick out in your brain. The only problem with Nate Solder this year is that his bad moments are his just normal this year. So that's that's bad. 
So that contract now looks abysmal, especially when you look at how they reworked it. So Marcus Golden is basically the only good free agent signing that, that Dave Guttelman has had, and we recognize that he is a good drafter. Do you trust Dave Guttelman this offseason with more than 60 to 70 plus million dollar million dollars in cap space, depending on who they cut and who they keep and who they trade, et cetera. Do you trust them? Yes, yes, I do. I, I do. Because I think what we're not understanding, we're not realizing, everyone is willing to say that the Giants made irreparable mistakes when it came to Eli Manning and the way that they constructed the team around Eli Manning. I say they. Justin, you are very quick to point out John Mara pulls the strings at the top. We know that. Dave Gettleman was most likely hired because he was willing to do what John Mara wanted to do. He followed John Mara's line of thinking. Pat Shermer, too. So now, when you have a team that is clearly moved on, this is the, fir- this is the first offseason where the Giants can view it as we are. This is a, this is a rebuild offseason. We're going to get the guys who fit the team. We're going to get the guys in spots we need, not in spots solely to help Eli Manning succeed. So, Nate Solder, in my opinion, would have never been signed if not for the fact that Eli Manning was, was going to continue being the quarterback. You were never going to invest that much money in a, in a veteran left tackle. I'm not saying it didn't make sense, but for the amount of money they had to spend and for the trajectory of Eli Manning's career at that point, it made no sense. You're, you're investing into something that's not a long-term solution. It's because they weren't looking for long-term solutions. They were looking for winning. Then I don't understand why they restructured his contract to put most of his salary towards the end of it. Again, that's the ineptitude I also do of think a general manager a, who is a better any scout than he is about a his, um, manager of actual his, players. His ability to uh, you know, evaluate, uh, evaluate free agent talent and evaluate trade talent and, and trade value. For any fears you have about that, I think he is a hell of a scout and and has now proven that in two consecutive drafts. You can you can pick on the Saquon Barkley pick, but at the end of the day, you know you got a fantastic player, and that, that's not debatable. But he's really shown in two straight drafts that he has the ability to hit on guys in late rounds. I mean, think about also, we're, we're talking about Darius Slayton. Ryan Conley looks like a stud moving forward. I'm not promising he will be, but he looked really good. David, this isn't the week to bring why? up Ryan Conley why? as a, a defense why? as a defense for why this why? Giants team is headed in the right direction. It's not the week for it, David. Yes, me about not. Dave Gettleman. I'm answering about Dave Gettleman. It's not. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about the game. You can't ask a question about Dave Gettleman and about the general manager of the team. I asked you about his free agency, and you're telling and you keep on telling me that he's a good drafter. No, I you asked me, do I trust him? And you're telling me how he's a good dra- how he's a good draft evaluator. I asked you, do you have trust when he makes free agent decisions? And you gave me Ryan Conley. Right. You said, do you trust him with with sixty million dollars in cap space? Do you trust him? I'm not as untrustworthy of him as a lot of people are with the cap with free agency because I think he's going to be able to form this team a lot differently now that they have money again. And I I especially trust him because of his ability in the draft. All right, I'm ready to talk about the game. I don't want to fucking talk about the game. They suck. Good moments and bad moments. And I, and, I, and I want to highlight both, and I want to highlight why I think there were good moments and why things went wrong. All right, you ready? It's, it's mostly bad, but sure. 
it's 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 mostly bad. Um, but it's it's a combination of player execution and and coaching, where I really think I really think it's a combination of both. So the actual game in the first half, I really I really think this this game could be broken up offensively from the first half, the third quarter up until the like nine nine minutes to go part, portion of the fourth quarter. And then, um, then the rest, of, and then the final like nine minutes to ten minutes of the fourth quarter. You can break this game up into into three different parts. So, in the first half, David, there were four drives that could have resulted in points, including the one that actually did result in a touchdown to Caden Smith. There were four drives that could have resulted in points. Um, you had Nate Solder basically uh, stop an entire drive because of the fact that. Khalil Mack was pushed right into him. It was a third and five. Pushed right into Daniel Jones's lap. Daniel Jones could not deliver a catchable ball. And that's when Aldrick Rosas missed his first kick. A few drives before that, you had Saquon Barkley, who dropped a wheel route on a third down. That could have gone for, some people are saying, a touchdown. It at least could have gone for 20 yards. It was a 20-yard gain. It could have really put the Giants in plus territory to put some points on the board. Um, but there were four drives in that first half after I watched the film that I said, you know what, the Giants could have scored. Shermer called a good first half. It was a lot of plays that were right in front of Jones. Emphasize the, inter- the intermediate game. Emphasize the middle of the field. Emphasize quick hitting things that got the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands, and also even allowed some yards after the catch as well. Especially when you look at that wheel route to Saquon Barkley, which that could have been a huge. Huge gain for Yak. David, do you have any thoughts on what happened for that first half and any any thoughts on those things? I, I get where you're going. I, I I get you're saying Pat Shermer called a pretty decent pretty decent game in the first half, and I wouldn't disagree. Um I thought they did a decent job, but you know, they did a decent job in the first half, but let's not forget they also had the ball like the fifty twice. And manage no points, and this has been a this has been a consistent theme of this team. So, it, it there it comes to a point for me where I say, okay, Pat Shermer's calling a great game, right? He's he's making things easy for Daniel Jones. We've got some creative, you know, we're doing some creative things, but you're you're not scoring. So we can only take this. Well, you know, they called they they called a pretty decent game in the first half. That was a good drive here. Good, you need consistent good drives. We can't deal. And I know, I know, Justin, this is sort of unfair because I know you're going to get you're going to get to the second half and really shit on the guy. So that's fine with me. But I'm I'm representing a decent portion of the fan base. I'm tired of hearing. Well, some stuff worked in the fir- some stuff worked in the first half. You didn't score at the end of the at the end of the day. You continue to not score. You get positive field position. That literally, thirty one out of thirty two NFL teams consistently will manage at least a field goal from, and we can't do it. Somehow, you watch you you watch any two teams play any two any one Sunday at any time. Pick up any game at any time. You will more than likely at some point on whatever team is on offense, whatever team is on offense, you will probably see at some point in time, a receiver get open. Is that because Tyler Boyd is an amazing wide receiver? No. It's because coaching understands how to use him. You want to know why we allow guys to run wide open against us? It's because... Their coaching staff and their quarterback understand matchups 
and move around their personnel so that they get positive matchups. Right, and David, what I really think is most frustrating in terms of maybe something that's a little bit more tangible as opposed to something I feel like is a little bit more macro and you can't like grab a hold of, of like, oh, what is what does maximizing matchup act- matchups actually mean? But you look at this Giants team on third down and you look at their ineffectiveness on first and second down in particular, Ben Baldwin, who's a very good follow on Twitter, by the way, I believe he's he's a Seahawks fan. But he, if you're if you're a fan of analytics and you're a fan of a lot of those some of those graphs, Ben Baldwin is a fantastic follow on Twitter, and he put out a um, passing and rushing efficiency on first and second down metric, and Giants were bottom of the league, like it, terrible, terrible, terrible. Granted, I know not having an an a fully efficient and effective Saquon Barkley is hurting your quote-unquote ability to establish the run, but this coach needs to be able to put this team in plus situations so you're not facing third and nines constantly, constantly, constantly. They were one for 12 on third down, David, and that's not, it's not a surprise. Usually, if you go into, if you have a team that is one for 12 on third downs, the average football team is walking away from that football game, and that's the main storyline. I feel like that's not even being talked about with this Giants team right now. One for 12, you you have a coach that does not know how to put his team in the best situation to succeed. You also have a coach who will run a play-action bootleg that goes for 13 yards, and it's like, great, okay, we're getting Daniel Jones into space a little bit now. I'm a fan of running play-action bootlegs as long as they're not coming in the red zone. So I'm a fan of getting Daniel Jones on the move. That was one of his strengths coming out of Duke, throwing on the run and being athletic. Great. So then the next play, David, you'll see Elijah Penny come into the game and then Saquon Barkley runs up the middle and you lose five yards. So there you go. You kill momentum. So you you have a great play call on on one end and then the next play, you're killing a drive. You might as well get a holding call. That, that, that is my point. My, my point is just for as good as Pat Shermer can be sometimes, right? You had beautiful, beautiful play of Sterling Shepard, that gorgeous little end around they ran. It wasn't really, it was sort of an end around. It wasn't traditional because Daniel Jones, yeah, it was like a little, it, it was a sweep. It was a jet sweep, but not, again, not in a traditional sense because you had Daniel Jones actually looking like it was a read option. It was like a read option sweep. John Jalapia was almost 10 yards downfield blocking. By far, was it was pretty by good far block. the best play of the day in, in terms of execution. In terms of play call, execution, and result. But for for you can have a couple of those plays a game, but everything else is predictable. Everything else looks like it's labored. I, I tweeted this during the game. When Pat Shermer runs the football, it looks to me like he, he, he calls a run because he feels like he's supposed to, not because he wants to. And, and exactly, that's that's kind of a lot of people's points that they're talking about. You're running the ball just so you can quote-unquote establish the run instead of like wanting to. Now, they also don't even know who they are, David. They don't know who they are, where they're running these pitch plays. Now, we can, now let me just say this about the first half. We complimented Pat Shermer and his first half play calling and, his, and the way that he overall coached the game in the first half. That third and one, oh, that was the fourth drive. So I mentioned three drives where the Giants could have scored points, and then I said that they had four drives. That was the fourth drive. That third and one pitch, David, the Giants were driving, that killed all momentum. Now, you know, I just talked about analytics. Now, analytics doesn't believe in momentum, but I honestly would say, kindly, go fuck yourself. Like, (laughs) kindly. Because that killed all momentum. 
from that point on, David, the Giants didn't even have a sustainable drive until basically almost the fourth quarter. So tell me that didn't kill momentum. No, it, it it absolutely did. You're right. It it was it was a complete disaster. It was it was really really funny. I was you know obviously I was at the game and it was hilarious listening to like Bears fans saying, "Really, David? I put I put a I put a GIF and a GIF on social media. They Bears fans were la- they were showing on the telecast. Bears fans were laughing." They were laughing, and Carl Banks and uh, Bob Papa, they were frankly laughing at how bad of a football game that was, too. Oh, it was great. It was a miserable but kind of just like resigned group of people. It was a lot of fun. It was a great, great time. I want to talk about that third and one play a little bit more. That third and one play really, really shifted because the Giants really dominated that game. That half. That half. You could make an argument they really didn't, but Alec Ogletree actually kind of put the momentum back on the Giants' side by, by getting the pick in the end zone. Because that, mm-hmm. that drive, the Bears marched. That was probably like their best drive of the season. I'm, I, 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 that's, that's an exaggeration. But Alec Ogletree kind of saved kind of saved that off for the Giants. They really owned that half. And, and you're right, that, that, third, that third and one was essentially it. And, and we get a play like that seemingly every week. Let me say this about that third and one play. You would think that Daniel Jones would at least have the ability to audible that at the line of scrimmage. This was something that was done in high school. You get two plays. You call two plays. There's your main play that you're going to call. If a quarterback doesn't signal anything, if a quarterback doesn't call anything else out, you know that that play is going to be run. If you hear anything, if you hear the quarterback's voice that isn't his cadence, you know that that, therefore, you are going to run to the second play that was called in the huddle. So then, therefore, as as an entire offense, you change. Now, David, that crowd was not a loud crowd. No, it was not. You could hear a pin drop in that stadium. Yes, you could. Why Daniel Jones at least doesn't have the ability to go to a second play at the line of scrimmage, that baffles me. Now, also, I understand if this is a rookie quarterback and if I'm and if I'm having too much of a rudimentary approach to how NFL offenses work, then that's on me. But if, if you're not going to give Daniel Jones the ability to audible out of what is a terrible, terrible play if you're facing a certain front and if Leonard Floyd isn't going to over-pursue, it, that, that is an idiotic play call because why would attention be ever put on Elijah Penny when 2-6 is the best running back in the game? Why? Who are you, who are you faking out by having a fake fullback dive no one. Especially when I don't think the Giants have ran a fullback dive over. They there. have. They they have done it. Mostly mostly when Saquon was out. It's baffling. It makes absolutely no sense. Let's move on to the second half, because this is where it gets a little bit more problematic for me. Because like I said, the first half, it was it was a lot of good things. I think Jones, I think there was even some plays where Jones missed in the first half. Um he missed some receivers that were open downfield. But in the third quarter, David, Giants ran seven offensive plays. They ran seven. Now, granted, here's where Nate Solder comes in and basically hands the Chicago Bears seven points. Third quarter, Giants run seven plays, one of them including the the fumble that I put solely on Nate Solder. If you are saying that Daniel Jones' fumbling problem is continuing based off of this game, I don't know what to tell you. I think you really need to reevaluate how you watch the game of football. But what the Giants were doing, I'm thinking in particular of three 
of these of three of these seven plays. So take out no, so take out that Nate Solder play. So the three of the six other plays that they had, those pass. There were some passing plays where there was nobody, nobody available, nobody open in the middle of the field, and nobody available in the intermediate game to Daniel Jones besides checkdowns. Nobody. And the Chicago Bears, they were able to read and they were able to predict almost where these receivers were going to go. And again, we talked about separation, but one of the things and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk, why I, why I really wanted to watch the All-22 film is to see what is what is exactly going on. So there was a portion of this game, David, where Shermer abandoned everything in the middle of the field and everything quick hitting for Daniel Jones. Everything took time to develop and he was either checking it down or he was scrambling for that 22-yard gain. Remember that scramble? Yeah. And that's what that third quarter and the early portion of that fourth quarter was. Some people are going to want to blame or or at least nod to the fact that the Bears defense is as good as it is and and it is. So so they are they that's what they do. They 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 can take things away from you. They can make you one-dimensional. They can make you you know Pat Shermer does a great job of that on his, on his own. But they, they can they can make your life difficult. There's a reason they're a top five defense in the NFL. I consider them a top five defense in the NFL. But that being said, and I'm not trying to get off your point, Justin, but I, I just I'd be remiss without saying this. You know how good this defense is, and you know how bad their offense is. So when you mean to tell me you get three drives plus side of the field in the first half and you manage seven points, that's why you lost the football game. It has, le- in my opinion, it has less to do with the second half than it does the ineptitude at the end of the first. The inability to take advantage of when teams that are better than you make mistakes. The Bears are a better football team on their defense alone. Are a better football team, and they this is a, this is a problem this team has had since week one. You fit. You look back to the, the second Dallas game; they did that to themselves. The New England game; they did that to themselves. New England made so many mistakes in the first half of that game, and they didn't manage to gain any separation. But I think the difference—I think the difference between those games, David, is the fact that I was able to point to way more, way more player execution reasons for why they lost. Whereas this game, all that I'm looking at is now, now basically let's, let's call, let's call, let's call the kettle black, David. If it's not for Nate Solder, who can't block and is holding this entire offensive line unit back, if it's not for a dropped Saquon Barkley pass, and if it's not for two Aldrick Rosas field, missed field goals, the Giants win this game. But that's a lot, that's a lot of different things that went wrong. <laughs> but NFL coaches, play callers, need to understand that a guy's going to drop a pass and you will have a weak link on your offensive line. Every offensive line has a weak link. Nate Solder is a very weak link. I don't, I understand, but there are ways to cope with that. I get Saquon Barkley also would usually be one of the ways to cope with that. And he's not doing his job on that in pass blocking. I get that too, but you got to try something. You got to try something different. I don't know what that is. After basically that not working, <laughs> trying to have slow developing routes and slow developing plays, maybe about a quarter of the way through the fourth quarter, the Giants started moving the ball again. They started going up tempo. And we've seen before, time time and time again, going up tempo works for this team. You know how they run to the line and they snap the ball right away? It kind of catches the defense 
you know, catches the defense off. That entire drive where they had that, remember that Golden Tate touchdown? The the one the one where it was that fourth and 18? That entire drive, they went no huddle. And the way that they got on the other side of the 50-yard line before that huge play to Golden Tate, the way that they did that was quick hitting, develop, quick developing, quick hitting routes that allowed Daniel Jones to get the ball out of his hand quickly. Now, you can also call people hypocrites by saying, oh, well, what do you want the Giants to do? You want the Giants to throw the ball 30 yards downfield and not check down. But there's a difference between checking down and getting the ball out of your hands quickly and having quick developing plays that results in five, six, seven yards a pop. I think there's a very big difference between those two things. And if you can establish your tempo as being that quick hitting which tempo, he did. At some point something deep some at some point something deeper down the field might which, which it did. Daniel Jones delivered an impeccable ball. The early part of the game is also a good a good way to look at this also. We're forget, you know, uh, that play to Sterling Shepard where Shepard stumbled and and they had it. They had yeah. they had it. That was at least going to be 30 yards. That was all within the flow of those quick hitting routes. When you do that, you buy yourself a lot of time going forward. And and unfortunately, they just weren't able to hit on it. So yeah, Pat Shermer had a decent game. He did some things well. It's just, it's like his brain shuts off. The defensive coordinator adjusts, and yeah. Pat Shermer is about three drives late. Every game. And I just think, and, and for me, like I've been very patient, and I saw some tangible good signs against the Jets, which I thought would hopefully carry over to this week. It didn't. It didn't. The player, the the player lack of the lack of execution on the player's part is still very much there. But the egregious coaching errors this game, particularly on runs that would result in such negative, negative plays and negative neg- negative losses for this Giants offense. Inexcusable. Inexcusable in my book. So so David, I want to get to the voicemails, but one final point. After allowing 16 points. To the Chicago Bears in the third quarter, tell us the first play that Pat Shermer decides to run to start the fourth quarter on offense. It was like an outside. It was like an outside uh, toss. It was a pitch. It was a yeah, pitch. it was a pitch yeah, was that a resulted pitch. in a five-yard loss. And because it worked so well the first time. Hey Justin, time. what did he follow that with? Oh, that was a bad. I just remember that being a, a lost drive after that. So he followed it with a run up the middle. Oh, there you go. A run right up the middle between the center and guard. Managed four yeah. yards. All right, uh, David, uh, there's there's a voicemail. We have two voicemails today. And there's one voicemail that's going to be on the special teams. Now, to be frankly and to be honest, uh, I, I hate talking about special teams. Like, I actually, like, it, it grinds my gears to talk about special teams because I'm of the belief of just find the freaking right guys to kick a ball, to snap a ball, to punt a ball, and to make tackles. Like, literally, that's... Find guys that are willing to do that. Um, but I know you kind of like to talk about it. So here's a voicemail on special teams and what we should do. We'll talk about that briefly. We'll take our other voicemail, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Hey, Justin and David. i got a question about the field goal team. What do you think we should do with them? I think the offense should be cut, but I think we should give Rosas a chance to finish the season. Also, fire Pat Shermer as soon as possible. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. I love that at the end. Uh, also, fire Pat Shermer. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I like that. Nice and qu- nice and quick. That was nice. That yeah. was real nice. <laughs> by Patrick, by the way. Um, so so I'll just do this really quick. So I completely agree with him. 1,000%. Zach Diasi, we're forgetting there was a long snapper competition this offseason. I think the first time in Zach Diasi's career 
Now, maybe it happened once before the year prior. I don't remember. But when you're a long snapper that you've had who has been a captain for, for 10, 12, 15 years, starts, there's competition for him. That is a sign that, that they're seeing something that they don't like. Zach Diazzi's been bad all year. We're, we're talking snaps, snaps on the ground, snaps high, snaps to the left. Snap. It has not been a good year for him. And, I'm, you know, the, that first that first uh, field goal, absolutely inexcusable. There was I, I, I saw your tweet, Justin, about how um, Riley Dixon ended up getting it down, which he did. It was a great job by Riley Dixon handling that snap, getting the ball down, laces in. It was perfect. But the timing, I think, at that at that point is so messed up. You know, if you're a kicker and you see the ball rolling to your to your holder, it's gonna it's gonna mess your timing up, and that's all kicking is. It's timing. David, who's your who's your MVP of the Giants this year, David? Riley Dixon. There Riley Dixon's been the best Giant of the year. This he has been he has been the most consistent, most hotly the, the highest producing Giant this season has been Riley Dixon. It's not even I don't think it's fucking close. That's why I hate talking about special teams. But I will say this about from a long snapper's perspective. I will say this. It's very similar to golf. It's very similar to even bowling. When you do something so repetitively over and over and over again, when you're off, like you're off. And it's and I guess it's similar to even baseball too, where you, you swing so many times. You can swing and pitch a ball hundreds of thousands and thousands of times. God forbid something goes wrong. One thing in your mechanics goes wrong. You basically sometimes have to start from scratch. And now, I, whether you want to attribute this to Zach Diossi's age, sure. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, but I will tell you that, where if one thing goes wrong, you kind of have to scratch everything and you have to you know, start over from scratch with your technique. Zach Diossi's got to start over with his technique. And that sometimes can take a long time. And clearly, um, I don't care what team you're on, uh, you don't have that time when you are a long snapper in the NFL. You don't have that time. You, can't, you aren't afforded that time. So any other thoughts on that, David? Old Grossas, give him time. I, I get the frustration, and he's not been good. I'm not trying to say he is. But this is a guy who did make the Pro Bowl last year. Um, we know he can make kicks. We know he's got a big leg. Give him time. I think his confidence has got to be so in the in the basement right now. Um, I think if you get a guy who actually can, can consistently snap the ball clean, I think Rosas will ultimately be fine. Although I did just see on Twitter the Giants did work out four kickers today, but they're not they're not signing any of them. Oh, that's not good. One of them one of them was Blair Walsh. That's the only not name good. I recognized. There's somebody from the um, I believe it could be the 49ers. Whatever team Robbie Gold is on right now, I think Robbie Gold is coming back from he's on, some, he's on, from he's some on injury. The he's on the Niners. He's on the Niners. Yeah. So. Um, he's coming back from an injury or something, and yeah, they probably work the uh, the guy who's replacing him out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think didn't we extend Rosas or invest something in him this past off season? We we might have. I don't, I'm not sure. I'd have to check. Yeah. I, like I said, I I hate talking about special teams. I could care less. Just find the guys who can do the job and. That's it, because I don't think it's that complicated. I'm sorry, this is not to diminish your voicemail. I love that you left a voicemail. Can we all? Can we also? Can we also allow Jabril Peppers? I get he. I get he fractured something in his back, but can we let Jabril Peppers return punts a little? Jabril more? Peppers is going to play this Sunday. I don't care if he. he is, I don't care if he fractured his spine or whatever he did. He's going to play this Sunday. <laughs> I right, know. Let's it. move on. Let's move on. All right. Final voicemail. David, Justin, and Snack. What's up, boys? Hi, Snacks. I'm just calling in to tell you that Pat Shermer is an atrocity of a head coach. 
I have never seen someone more incompetent to, to do a job and get paid for it like him. He needs to go, but it all starts with the general manager. Dave Gettleman needs to go. He's terrible. He's got a Boston accent. It's not even New York. If his New York accent was there, I'd be okay with it for another year. But it's terrible. The talent on the team is an atrocity. We suck. The only hope is Daniel Jones. Oof. Saquon Barkley has been more of a pussy than I never could have imaginable in the second year, injury or not. Enough is enough. Clean the fucking house. I love you guys. Best podcast around. Good luck. No holds bad. He was. He took me in the low post and won, but <laughs> I think we had on the varsity. I love how he ended the voicemail with "good luck." With like, I don't. Good I luck. don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know Taken? You ever see the movie Taken? Uh, yeah. Because that's when he said good luck at the end. That's what I think. I think of that phone call that Liam Neeson got from the people that took his daughter. And good they were luck. like, good yeah, luck. Definitely. Yeah, there, there was there was something very eerie about yeah. that. Yeah, I, I didn't I, I didn't like that. I feel yeah, I feel threatened. I, I feel like I, I got I guess I got one eye, one one eye over my shoulder. Um so uh, snacks definitely uh definitely wants uh everyone gone. And I actually think because he has such a different accent, that makes him more bearable. Uh, it's annoying. It's annoying. Don't get me wrong. You think it like it like adds a character trait, like it, it adds something to the pot. I, yeah, I, I suppose I mm-hmm. completely disagree, but I, I don't really think his accent has much to do with it personally. Do you want me to try to do it again? Yeah, sure. Okay. No holds bad. That's it. That's all I got. That was actually pretty good. I thought you were playing the soundbite for a second. That's uh, that's the only line of his that I could do. The varsity. See, that's not even. That's not even that good. That was that was nice. Good job. Thank you. I've been. It's only been. It's only been a maybe a year and a half since I've been working on. Yeah, this. you have had a long time to perfect it, and you have not perfected it. Probably since like episode in our in forty like episode thirties forties. I've I started doing it, and so it's been. I've had sixty episodes to perfect it. Okay, so by episode like. 150 you need to break it out again we need to see what kind of progress you've made probably when dave gettleman's gonna get fired no we'll do we'll do it on our on our uh, super bowl pregame show oh like should i do the entire episode in a dave gettleman accent yes absolutely only like six people will listen to it but yeah 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 we'll have the average consumption rate will be 10 percent <laughs> David, um, I think that's going to do it for us. Snacks, I think I think we kind of touched on your voicemail in the beginning. That um, we also ran pretty long, and I don't want this to be a two-hour podcast. So, David, thank you, my friend, for being here. Thank you to everyone for listening and to dealing with uh, with this episode. I think yeah. I think it was I think it was a good episode. Um, you know, it, it's always a little bit of a mess when the team's a mess. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so uh, keep on bleeding blue. Uh, David, you going to the Packer game this weekend? I don't think I am. I think I might. I can only withstand so much pain. I, I think I might go. God bless you. Good luck. Yeah, God bless me. Um, <laughs> good luck. Um, keep on bleeding blue. Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to have his get-right game this Sunday. I can't wait. And David. Uh, if you have Aaron Rodgers in your week one in your week one fantasy playoff, like I do, you should probably start him. Uh, stay beautiful, everybody. Thought you were gonna forget. <laughs>